Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Qatar for the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Matterface, alongside TalkSports football correspondent Alex Crook and our expert football reporter, Kwaku Afari. Every day when you wake up, we'll have a bite-sized special delivery from the World Cup, bringing you a roundup of all the day's action and discussing all the upcoming games. The top stories this morning, England breeze past weary Wales and are currently the top scorers at the World Cup, well, for now, anyway. England score their 100th World Cup Finals goal. It's Senegal on Sunday for the Three Lions. Also through the USA and Netherlands, inspired by Cody Gakpo. And today, Argentina trying to save themselves. But they probably have to win. It's the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. It's feeling heightened to unprecedented levels by the enormity of the stakes. Wales, England, with everything it always entails, but now with the opportunity for each to knock the other out of the World Cup. Into the path of Foden, who hasn't been able to get any service so far. That might change now. Kevin slipping it through. It's Rashford. Good save, Danny Ward. Off his line really quickly. It's 23 yards out. It's Marcus Rashford. Oh, it is Sensational! It's past Danny Ward into the top right-hand corner. Marcus Rashford strikes first in the Battle of Britain in the World Cup. Kane playing across the six-yard box, and it's in for two from Phil Foden. And England have scored twice in a minute and a half. And Wales' dream of World Cup triumph is coming to an end very quickly now. Rashford is in behind Connor Roberts, right-hand side of the area, checks, gets it onto his left foot, oh, fires it straight through Danny Ward for number three, and Marcus Rashford is now the joint leading scorer of the World Cup. I look across the halfway line, and we've got four players walking on the halfway line. How can that be right? England win the Battle of Britain, they've beaten Wales by three goals to nil. In what's an ignominious end, potentially, to two or three very significant Welsh international careers. Wales nil, England three, 45 minutes of absolute bilge. Then Chesney Hawks comes out into the middle of the pitch. He sings, I am the one and only, and Marcus Rashford takes his cue. Um, much better second half than it was first. Wales were truly dreadful, Alex. Yeah, they were. He met me yesterday, by the way, Chesney Hawks. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that helped inspire. <laughs> I think it's probably the other way around. You met him, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that helped him get through the halftime show. Uh, but you're right, halftime, it was, it was a familiar pattern, wasn't it, to the USA game? Too slow in possession, um, too lethargic. And then all of a sudden it kicked his life in the second half. Brilliant free kick from 
Marcus Rashford, terrific skill from him for his second goal as well. And I think once Gareth Southgate took the handbrake off, removed the shackles, whatever the cliche you want to use, England looked a really good side. Um, and if you look at the subs that Gareth Southgate was able to make, I don't think there's too many nations in this tournament who have the same squad depth that England have. And I think there are selection dilemmas now for Southgate. How do you leave Rashford out after that performance, the first knockout game? Gave himself a bit of a pat on the back after the game. Um, he, he said, well, you know, I did change it. I realised that it would be better if we played Phil Foden on the left-hand side and Rashford on the right at half-time. He did exactly that, Kwaku. And it worked for England. They did up the tempo as well, which was important. Um, it does give him a little bit of a headache going into Sunday's game against Senegal, doesn't it? Um, Walker, Henderson, Foden, Rashford, all starting for the first time this tournament, and they made a difference. Yeah, it did. And it shows the embarrassment of riches that Gareth Southgate has at his disposal. Um, it, the changes that he made, they'd all, it all came to fruition. Uh, Marcus Rashford, it's been well documented, he went to Oregon over the summer and physically you could see that he was superior to most of the players out there. He was sometimes doing the Rashford things that, that annoy United fans in terms of not making the right runs, but physically he dominated uh, Wales and he looked, he gave Gareth Southgate something to think about. Um, you can say the same about Phil Foden as well. We've all been crying out for him to, to start for England and he showed exactly why he should be starting for England as well. So Gareth Southgate's got... You've got some some decisions to make, but they're, they're good decisions if you're an England manager because you've got such a big squad to choose from. Yeah. Um, also, I told a story on Friday night's show when we were doing the USA game about Gareth Southgate going to see Marcus Rashford at his home in uh, Manchester for a couple of hours during the summer, sitting down with him after he'd come back from Oregon and saying, look, you know, we want you in the England squad. Do you want to be in the England squad? Because there was a long period where... Rashford didn't really travel with England. He would get selected in the squad, then pull out, or he was always injured. He had a bit of a back, or he had a bit of this, or had a bit of that. Obviously, Rashford is in a happier place. He's smiling again. You saw him when he came off the bench last night. You know, he, he's just in a better place mentally as well, isn't he? I mean, then that's shown at Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag has, has told me when he first walked in the door, the first thing he said was, what do I need to do for you to make you happy? And... Um, him and Rashford cleared the air too and they put a smile on his face at, at Carrington. So he, all round, he's in a better mental place and that shows in his football. I mean, the fact that he, when he picked the ball up and went into the penalty area and took on half the Wales back line, it was terrific. It was proper Rashford, wasn't it? Yeah, and he did the same against Iran in the first game. I think he's a joy to watch Marcus Rashford in full flow. Um, I'm not comparing him to Kylian Mbappe, but like Mbappe, I think he's a player when he gets in possession, that when he's running at defenders, he gets the crowd excited. Um, I think he's scintillating. And credit to Eric Ten Hag, actually, um, because you can see that he's being properly coached for the first time in a long time at club level. And I think England are, are reaping the rewards from that. Is he, is he joint top scorer at this tournament? He is. He is the joint top scorer at this uh, tournament. And England are the top scorers. They've scored nine goals, the most they've scored in the group stages at a single edition of a major tournament. So they've never scored more goals than they've scored um, at this tournament. And they've scored more goals than every other team at the World Cup so far. That probably won't last because um, Spain have got eight goals and they play Japan later. And unless they draw nil-nil, the likelihood is, is that they will eclipse England's total of nine goals. But um, Rashford's goal was also, the second one, was also the 100th goal that England have scored at World Cup finals. And it's the first time he's ever scored a brace for England, which I was quite surprised about, Quaker. 
Yeah, it's uh it's interesting because Marcus Rashford kind of burst onto the scene and we we expected great things from him and he kind of stagnated a little bit as a result of maybe mismanagement Manchester United as a result of things that he maybe wasn't concentrating on. But now we've seen the best of him and and I, I expect him to have a huge effect on this tournament. Like Crookie said, when he's running at defenders, it's frightening. And you can see defenders backing off and having to make business decisions as to whether to step out and try and take the ball or or back up and just soak up the pressure. And he's a joyous watch when he plays like that. So I'm really, really happy for him. I feel like there was kind of a collective like joy when he scored those goals because we know how tough he's had it recently and the fact that he's now another weapon that Gareth Southgate can call upon is is great for England and hopefully bodes well for us in terms of progressing deep into this tournament. Everyone wanted Phil Foden to play in this game. He did. Um, I think he was trying a little bit too hard in the first half, Crook. Yeah, I agree. Um, but second half, I think he showed his quality. Again, he's, he's someone who excites the crowd. He's someone who commits defenders. He's got incredible ball control. And that's another issue, isn't it, for Gareth Southgate when it comes to this round of 16 game. I think on the second half performance, Phil Foden showed that he's worthy of a place in the starting lineup. And certainly, I think the England fans uh, will be hoping that he retains his place. It's, it's a brilliant position for Southgate to be in because I thought Carl Walker was excellent as well, even that first half, terrific. actually. He terrific. was the one player trying to drive England on down that right hand side. So, pretty much everybody who came in performed to a really good level. Probably need to reflect a little bit on Wales. Um, I thought they were poor in the first half. I thought they got worse during the second. Gareth Bale had one successful pass in the 45 minutes that he managed. I mean, apparently he picked up a hamstring injury as we replaced at half-time. He managed only seven measly touches of the ball. I thought... Bearing in mind they needed to win, there was every chance that that USA well, uh, Iran game could have ended in a draw. USA won it one nil, and by the way, in the last minute of that game, Iran could have had a penalty that could have finished a draw. And if Wales had won their game, they may have snuck through, but they didn't ever look like testing Jordan Pickford for a team that needed a goal. I was very disappointed with the way they approached it. They've got a huge lumping striker. If you do nothing else, you try to feed him, don't you, Quaker? Yeah, you do. They were just, they were so, so disappointed. Especially, we, we've we heard, it's been well documented about how long it's been since they've played in the World Cup. You would have expected a bit more, especially in this game against England, a bit more bite, a bit more fight. And they just didn't show up. Gareth Bale looks like a shadow of his former self, same as Aaron Ramsey. I think Rob Page could have maybe been a little bit braver and made decisions to maybe not start one of those two because they didn't bring anything to this tournament or the game against England. And it's back to the drawing board for Wales. It's the, the golden generation that they had that, that helped them qualify for three major tournaments. They're, they're coming to their end. And it's, I don't know what Rob Hayes does from here, but there needs to be a, a complete rejuvenation of that squad because they lacked ideas and they looked like one of the worst teams in the tournament. And frankly, I know people are going to reflect on it. It was first, Wales' first tournament in 64 years, but it was an embarrassing showing in Qatar and they've got a lot of thinking to do. Yeah, um, I thought that starting with Joe Allen, who hasn't played since September the 17th, Bale, who was off the pace, and Aaron Ramsey, in a game that you really needed to win, when they haven't really got the legs to do it, was dangerous. But then when you look at the squad, and no disrespect to everybody else who's in the squad, it is a squad that lacks quality, um, lacks the sort of depth that England obviously are, are lucky to have. 
So it's difficult for Rob Page, but it was it was a poor effort, I thought, yesterday. And I think that he said after the game against um, Iran, you know, we've got one more game to go. We'll, we'll have to give it a go. Well, they weren't out at that stage. And I wonder whether they just psychologically accepted that they weren't going to be able to get back into the tournament, play themselves back into the tournament, which is sad, really, because you don't get too many options to play at a World Cup stage. And the world, the real work begins for England now. It's Senegal up next on Sunday, uh, a 7 o'clock kickoff at home, a 10 o'clock kickoff at night here. All England's games now are going to be at the big uh, tented place in Albite, right at the north of the country. It means that everyone's going to bus up there. If England get to the quarterfinals, they'll play there. If they get to the semifinals, they'll play there as well. So... Uh, it, uh, Let's just say we're going to be in a bit of a routine, hopefully, uh, by the time uh, we get to the end of November, beginning of December. Um, right, OK, let's have a quick word about Iran and USA. USA winning by a goal to nil. Christian Pulisic with a goal, 38 minutes on the clock when he scored his goal. It was a good goal, but he didn't return to the field for the second half because he's injured, Crook. That's a worry. Yeah, but he looked cheery enough um, when he got back to the team hotel. I don't know if you've seen the videos of, uh, of the, the reception that greeted the US players at their team hotel, Christian Pulisic, very much part of that big smile on his face. So that suggests to me that maybe his injury won't be um, too serious. He's their star player, isn't he? There's no question about that. He's, he's the he's the one who brings the stardust to the USA side. I think they've done well to get, get through the group. Um, if you look at their campaign as a whole, first 45 minutes, absolutely dominant against Wales. Obviously, Big Kiefer came on and changed the game in, in Wales' favour. I thought they were unlucky not to beat England. They were the better side in that dire nil-nil draw. And obviously they've got the job done uh, against Iran. Do I think they'll go any further in the last 16? Probably not, but uh, it's, it's a good achievement from them to get to this stage. Um, there was a penalty shout right at the end of the game. I don't know if you saw it, but Mehdi Taremi believes he was pulled back by Cameron Carter-Vickers. And actually, when you look at it, I thought, this is definitely going to VAR. But it was a Spanish referee and he didn't give it and they waved play on. I think Iran were pretty upset about that, Kwaku. Yeah, and it, Iran can be proud of their showing at this World Cup. They were unlucky. Taremi's actually come out... I'm not sure about the first game and they were absolutely dreadful, but the other two uh, matches, I think they were pretty if, competitive. If you, if, you, if you look at the group, though, in terms of the rankings of the teams, I know FIFA rankings don't really mean the least squad, but these are all teams ranked in the top 20. So the, the fact that they've, they took it to the last game of the group... Um, and they could have qualified. And if other decisions would have gone away their way, they would have got out of the group. They can take a lot of credit. And like I said, Taremi's come out of this one in the Roses as well. There's going to be, I know there's already teams looking at him because of his former Porto, but he, he he's looked like Iran's best player at this World Cup. He's managed to get a couple of goals as well. So they can take solace from this and go again. And we know about the political issues that overshadowed their campaign at the World Cup. So it credits them and credits to, to the way they performed on the pitch because those players were under huge pressure heading into this World Cup. Yep, it's the Netherlands next for the USA, which will be a fascinating match. It's certainly going to add a little bit of colour. The USA making the knockout stages for a third time in four tournaments. And look, you know, very, very difficult to beat the Netherlands, I'm sure, because they've got one thing that a lot of teams would love, and that is someone who scores a lot of goals. And Cody Gakpo, joint top scorer with Marcus Rashford and Kylian Mbappe. He scored again against Qatar, although it's very difficult to measure that achievement, bearing in mind Qatar has struggled at times to control the football, Alex. Yeah, Qatar and Wales come to be the two worst teams at this tournament. Really disappointing um, for a host nation. Uh, I think we're expecting a lot more from them. But 
Cody Gakpo looks the real deal, doesn't he? We've spoken about him pretty much every day, I think, on this podcast about the prospect of a move to the Premier League. Uh, in January, Talk Sport did a big package on that ahead of their game yesterday. And I think he is emerging as one of the breakout stars of this tournament. And um, I think there'll be an awful lot of Premier League clubs looking at him. The Netherlands overall, a little bit underwhelming. I think, again, not a side that I would expect to go much further than the last 16. Would you say that to me, Van Hal? <laughs> Do you know what? He's been yeah. quite entertaining. I, I've been I've been to a couple of his press conferences and he's bristling. He's he's enjoying being the showman that he is at his final World Cup. I think it'll be close between the Netherlands and USA. I can't give too definite a prediction. Probably you would expect the Netherlands to have too much, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if USA won the game. It was interesting when listening to people talk to him afterwards because I told you beforehand that they were going to go back to 2014 and play a very pragmatic style. They produced that. And um, there's been a lot of criticism amongst the journalists that follow the Dutch, um, to which Louis van Hull responded last night. He said, well, look, you can have your opinion. I don't agree with you and I'm not going to expand on that. You have a different perspective to me. Why don't you write down, it's terribly boring if you think it's boring, and why don't you just go home? The <laughs> <laughs> second Dutch journalist then said it was like watching, people were grinding their teeth watching his style of football. He said, everyone would be rather proud we're progressing to the next round and people know why you're asking these questions. Things are not as bad as you say. Um, <laughs> they had 13 shots, 63% possession. They were playing Qatar. What are you supposed to do? Uh, but uh, it was sort of reflects what um, Gareth Southgate said, that there's 32 teams at this World Cup and 26 of them, Craig, are in crisis. Yeah, that's it. And like, like Ricky said, it's great to see Louis van Gaal back on this stage for the final time. And you're right, ref uh, referring to the 2014 World Cup, they have been pragmatic. They rely on their strength, though, the Dutch. And the strength is in their back three. I know Durian Timber said the Mateus de Ligt um, yesterday, but it's Van Dijk, it's Nathaniel Ake. They, they, they're strong at the back and then they go forward and they rely on the individual brilliance of players like Gakpo and Frankie de Jong. So, it's uh yeah, they're an interesting side. I don't see them progressing much further than the quarterfinals. You expect them to beat USA, but it's great to see Louis Van Gaal there in the dugout. And he's got Edgar Davis sitting next to him, who looks like the coolest man in the world. So yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of this Netherlands side. Ecuador won Senegal to England. They're gonna play Senegal, the African side take victory. Uh, to qualify from the World Cup for the first time in 20 years. Congratulations to them, Kulabai and Ishmael Asar, two players that we know well from the Premier League and from the championship. Uh, scoring the goals. Um, in fact, Caicedo scored for Ecuador as well. Um, well, worth pointing out that England have never played Senegal, but also in 20 games against African opposition, have never lost competitively or in a friendly against an African side. But this is going to be difficult, isn't it? Because this is a team that are very well organised under Alou Cissé. Yeah, he's been brilliant for them, hasn't he? Um, Alou Cissé. We knew him, of course, uh, as a player at, at Portsmouth. Obviously, yeah. he's won the African Cup of Nations with them, so they can't be underestimated. They haven't got their best player in Sadio Mane, so I think in some ways it's a great achievement just to get out of the group. I don't fear them too much from an England perspective. I think if England pick the right team, if they have the right mindset, if they play in the right way, then they should have too much uh, for Senegal. And, and in some ways, actually, I feel better about playing Senegal than about Ecuador 
with their vibrant young team. So, yeah, I, I think England will go through. It was interesting because Senegal had 14 shots on goal, but only three on target uh, during the game against uh, Ecuador. And, and I think there is a sort of Sadio Mane-shaped hole in the team, and that will be the narrative going into it. But they still have threat, don't they? Dia is, is capable, and we know that Ismail Asar can cause all sorts of problems from wide areas. Koulibaly was excellent yesterday during the match, not only scoring the goal, but also defensively. He's incredibly strong. It's, it's not going to be a one-sided, easy 2-0 victory for England. This is going to be a, a, a victory if they're going to get it that they're going to have to scrap for Quaker. Definitely. Um, and yeah, there is a Sadio Mane-shaped hole in the Senegal team. They were picked by a lot of um, a lot of people to be the African team that progressed the furthest in this tournament just because of the, the talents and the exploits that they do have. They've got a lot of players playing in the major leagues in Europe. Um, but it's interesting with them because all five of their goal scorers in this tournament have come from like they're, they're five different players or all five of their goals have been yeah. scored by five different goal scorers. So it's uh, it's goals by committee for Senegal at the moment. They haven't got that focal point. They haven't got that superstar in Sadio Mane. Um, and they are going to miss him, especially in the game against England, where they will need to be potent and take their chances. But they will give England a stern test. Like you say, Kaladu Koulibaly looked really strong. It's Sod's law, obviously, as a Chelsea fan, seeing all these players who, who are failing to turn up for Chelsea in the, in the shape of Kaladu Koulibaly or Hakim Ziyech or Christian Pulisic, performing so well for the national sides, but can't turn up for a game at Stamford Bridge. So, yeah, this will, this will be a difficult test for England, but you expect them to go through pretty comfortably if they get an early goal in this one. Senegal against England is live at seven o'clock on Talk Sport on Sunday night. I'll also be doing that for the television. Looking forward to it. It's a huge, huge game. The whole country will be tuned into that. We are looking forward to it. Talking of looking forward, let's look ahead to Group C's conclusion. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. 
Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Now Messi, 25 yards out, low shot from him! And Lionel Messi has done it! After the shock of Saudi Arabia, will now believe they are established at this World Cup and they can move on from this and Mexico may now be outsiders to potentially join them in the round of 16. The shot comes in, oh it's a goal! And it's a wonderful goal! What a terrific strike it is from Salim Al-Dazri! And Saudi Arabia are in front! They've been a real revelation so far in this and they'll feel like if they can have one more push against mm. Mexico, they could still qualify. Lewandowski dispossesses the defender! And there is the moment! Robert Lewandowski with his first ever World Cup goal! It's not enjoyable to watch, it's probably not enjoyable to play in, but they've given themselves a fantastic chance to qualify now, Poland. Poland against Argentina a little bit later on. The Poles vying to keep a clean sheet in four successive World Cup matches for the first time. And bearing in mind what we've seen uh, from Argentina, it might be that they require something special to break the Poles down, mightn't it, Alex? Yeah, I'm commentating this game for Talk Sport. Really looking forward to it. Could be Lionel Messi's last game at a World Cup in lots of ways for the good of the tournament. I hope that isn't the case. You're um, doing it live, are you? You're doing it live, eh? Yeah. Oh, so the curse of crook might uh, strike nil-nil again. <laughs> no, that, I've, I've, I've shrugged that uh, off, actually, uh, in the last few games. But listen, I wouldn't bet against a nil-nil um, because Poland are well-organised. Um, I think they will be a difficult team for Argentina to break down. I think it's going to require a fair amount of patience. I'm fascinated uh, to see what Scaloni does in terms of lineup because I thought they looked a much better team um, with Alvarez doing the running for Lionel Messi in the second half against Mexico when they were labouring um, in the first half. Do you leave out Lataro Martinez? I think it's difficult. I think you could do with his physicality um, in both boxes. Could you find a way to play all three? Um, I guess those are the questions that Scaloni will be pondering. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be a, a tense night. It should be uh, a really atmospheric night again. Uh, first visit for me to Stadium 974, which of course is the one made up of uh, shipping containers, uh, much smaller venue than the Lusau Stadium where Argentina beat Mexico. I think their fans are going to make quite a racket. Uh, Messi scored in his last six games for Argentina, but they rely too much on him, I think. Um, and Cuecu, Argentina have to win. I've said this a few times now, because if they don't win, they run the risk of being eliminated by Saudi Arabia or, or Mexico, because either one of those teams ends up winning or winning well, then Argentina will find themselves slipping out of the competition at the group stage. And that's a real danger. And the, the, the reason that's a possibility is because they failed to win their opening game against Saudi Arabia. And, and that has put and piled the pressure on Lionel Scaloni. Yeah, but, well, the fact that they're at this point is, is crazy. Like you look at the Argentina team coming into this World Cup on such a, an impressive winning streak or impressive unbeaten streak. Um, but when you look at the side lined up against Mexico, granted they got the result, but I'm disappointed that midfield of Rodrigo, De Paul and Guido Rodriguez 
They're functional, but that's about it. I think the fact that Nicolas Otamendi is still starting for Argentina, it beggars belief. It's, uh, his legs went a long time ago, and we've all known that. Um, it, was, it was good seeing Lissandro Martinez being brought in for Romero. I think he gives them that added extra bite, especially in tournament football. But I'm not impressed by this Argentina side, and I don't think any of us would be surprised if Poland got a result against them and knocked them out of the competition. They piled the pressure on themselves by failing to get a result in the game against Saudi Arabia, a game in which they looked pretty naive. I know that they they would probably count themselves unlucky having those three goals ruled offside, but they were all offside. And now it's it seems like it's all on the shoulders of Lionel Messi to to create something for Argentina because until Julian Alvarez came off the bench, they didn't look like creating anything or scoring a goal. Um, so it, it, I, I, obviously Argentina going to this game as favourites, but I would not be surprised to see Poland get a result in this one. Yeah, um, it's... I mean, all three goals were offside. And actually, I think the criticism should be that they were unintelligent with their run-making during that game because they were playing against a high line, which they should have exposed um, against Saudi Arabia. It is Lewandowski against Messi for a place in the last 16, isn't it? I mean, they might both get through because uh, Saudi Arabia and Mexico, that is a game where literally anything could happen. If Saudi Arabia won it, you would not be surprised. But at the same time, if, if Mexico won it, you wouldn't be surprised either. It was a boring nil-nil draw. You wouldn't be surprised if it was 4-4. You'd be like, okay, fair enough. It's one of those games that it's just don't go near it in trying to try and predict it because you never know what's going to happen. But Argentina do run a risk because unless they get three points, they could find themselves being dumped out and that would sort of ruin the whole narrative of the tournament in terms of the fact that every poster you walk past or every uh, billboard that you, you, you look up upon, there is the face of Lionel Messi. He seems to be everybody's ambassador. So look, he, him not being here would be a major problem for the organisers and for the tournament's reputation because people want to see Messi. I mean, a, in terms of global icons, they don't get much bigger than him, do they, Crook? No, they don't. Uh, probably him and uh, Ronaldo, uh, the two replica shirts that you see most around Doha. And uh, I think uh, the, the locals have latched on to, to Argentina and Portugal as, as teams to support. So hopefully they can get the job done. Hopefully his World Cup adventure will continue. I thought they had a good chance of winning the trophy before a ball was kicked. Probably have changed my opinion on that, having seen their first two games. I just don't think there's quite enough quality there. Um, okay, so Messi has been at the World Cup since 2006, 21 appearances, eight goals, minutes per goal, 226. Robert Lewandowski got his first World Cup finals goal the other day, his first in five appearances. Um, it, it's a bit sort of it's a strange, isn't it, that he's had so many problems at major tournaments because he it took him a while to score at the Euros as well, if I remember rightly. Yeah, that's just because of the players around him. In in, in fairness, you know he he doesn't get much service. He has to make well, a lot he, of his own he'd take opportunities. Take a penalty and send it into the arms of a goalkeeper. I mean, I don't think that's got to do with anybody else apart from himself. He did do that. He did do that. But uh, it, it, it just they're a very methodical team, Poland. Um, but not a lot more than that. They're never a team who are going to create loads of opportunities for their striker. Uh, okay, all right. Saudi Arabia versus Mexico. Um, also this afternoon, these games are seven o'clock tonight, with at least one of Argentina and Poland set to drop points. All four sides still in with a shot of progressing to the last 16. Saudi Arabia, their captain, Salman Al-Faraj, has been ruled out for the rest of the tournament with a shin injury. That's bad news for him. That's two players they've lost, actually. And Shahani, also uh, Shahani, also being ruled out of the tournament after a horrific injury. Saudi will be forced into a midfield alteration. Abdullah Al-Malki also booked for a second time in that second game. So he's suspended too. And Mexico, 
I don't know if you know this, have had this sort of very odd tradition. They have gone out in the round of 16 in each of the last seven World Cups, the most consistent team in World Cup finals history since 1994. They've consistently been getting to a fourth game and then going out. It's the curse of the fifth match, which has been something that the Mexican fans have had on their shoulders. Then they always shake their fists. I remember going to, um, I think it was, where were we? It wasn't Salvador. I think it might have been Fortaleza in 2014 when they played um, the Netherlands. And it went to extra time and it was like 90,000 degrees heat. It was really hot and they couldn't cope with with the Netherlands and they ended up going out, even though they were probably the better team in the last 16. They then went out the last 16 in uh, Russia. Again, dramatic game. They might not even get there this time. They were incredibly poor, I thought. They were against against, uh, against Argentina. And that's the thing about Mexico. This thing is, is, is well documented. and It becomes a mental kind of block. Uh, there are a few players in this team that aren't scarred by those previous failures in the round of 16. But at this stage, it looks like they're not even going to get there. Obviously, Ochoa is a, a staple at World Cups, at major tournaments, and this is probably his last major tournament. So you'd like to see him go on one last hurrah or last dance. Um, but I just think the results in the other game are going to go against them, and I don't think they're going to get out of the group in this one. Four key men absence for uh, Saudi Arabia, so that could play into their hands. Irv Renard told his team to embrace the moment. He does look a little bit like a character from Game of Thrones, doesn't he, Irv Renard? You, you could see him sort of like in a big, dramatic Hollywood production. <laughs> he certainly believes he should be in one, I think. Yeah, he's got that. He's got that Jamie Lannister about him, definitely. Yeah, yeah, um, he's definitely well, what, one of one of the best dressed men. At, uh, yeah, I was going to say tournament. that. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't you get involved in best dressed men? I've never seen anybody <laughs> wear so many crap clothes in two weeks than you. My God, I was at the stadium last night. I was on the opposite side. He was standing like literally on the other side of the pitch to me. I could see him without even using a pair of binoculars because this god-awful shirt that he was wearing. It was unbelievable. Seriously. <laughs> faded blue shirt that goes down into the sort of dark blue. Like they had that Manchester United kit that went from red to black. He had one on that went from light blue to navy, from top to bottom. It's, it's one of my summer three... shirts. Oh, God, it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. I mean, of all the connections that you've got, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, your mates at Adidas just just kick you out forever so that you never have to choose your own clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tunisia, France, uh, Group D, the afternoon kickoffs. Uh, Wabi Kazri, Tunisia's second highest goal scorer, is in contention to start having made just one substitute appearance so far. Uh, but uh, the big problems come in the French camp where uh, Didier Deschamps says there are big egos. He will not preserve the ego of Mbappe and be obligated to start him when France have already qualified. Should they play Kylian Mbappe from the start so that he can rack up some goals to um, go ahead of Marcus Rashford in the Golden Boots race, Quaker? No, um, I think he. I think he will play. Maybe he comes off uh, pretty early in the second half, but there's no need to risk it. France have put themselves in a great position. They've got like, one of the best teams in the tournament, um, winning their two games. So I, I don't think there's any need to risk it. And despite the fact that they suffered so many injuries pre-tournament, they've still got a very, very strong bench of second side that they can rotate into this game. So I, I wouldn't risk your key men, but we know about the egos of these players. And also this game means a lot 
a lot of Tunisian born immigrants that live in France. This game's going to mean a lot to Tunisia. They're going to be fired up for it. They put themselves in, in an almost impossible position by losing to Australia in their last game. Uh, they now need to beat France, which is going to be a tough task and hope results in the other game goes their way. Um, but they're going to be fired up for it. So France are going to need to be on their P's and Q's, but they can play the second side and probably still beat the Tunisia outfit. Yeah, Tunisia can qualify only for the last 16 with a win over France and Australia lost to Denmark, where Tunisia win by more goals than Denmark do. It's complicated. It's unlikely. It's not going to be them. Um, but Australia versus Denmark, this is fascinating, isn't it? Because Australia, remarkably, I think probably most people's pick for fourth place in this group, will qualify if they win over Denmark. They can also qualify with a draw and a Tunisia defeat. And bearing in mind the most likely result is a Tunisia defeat, Australia can grind out a draw in this match and be certain of a place in the last 16, Crook. Yeah, they can. And uh, I think there's every chance they do that against a Danish side who's really underwhelmed in this tournament. I commentated the first game against Tunisia. They were second best in that game since to get intimidated uh, by a really noisy atmosphere that was being generated by a lot of Tunisians inside the Education City Stadium. Obviously, lost to France. Yes, they competed with France for large parts of that game, but they just don't have the punch in attack. When you're relying on Andreas Cornelius, uh, the player that Vincent Tan at Cardiff once famously described as, I thought I was getting a Bentley and I got a Skoda. Um, I think that's big problems for Denmark. So I think Australia more than capable of getting the point they need to progress. Um, ahead of uh, the game, lots has been made of the celebrations in Australia. Um, Open-air screenings have attracted huge crowds. Graham Arnold, who's the manager, saying that, you know, there's one sporting team in the country that unites the whole, the whole nation, and it's the Socceroos. When you look at the celebrations in the Federation Square in Melbourne, it shows you football is alive and well in Australia. My whole goal is to put a smile on Australian faces. Football at the moment is probably the fifth sport behind Aussie rules, rugby league, rugby union and cricket. They even call us soccer at times. It's football. But these boys know the legacy they can create here can be huge. He was the assistant manager to Goose Hiddink in 2006 when they had a particularly good World Cup. They can emulate the achievements of that team um, by going through into the knockout stages. And it will it'll be cracking, won't it? Because, you know, a bit like America, it's taken a while for for football to take off in Australia, but it will give the whole sport a real lift, bearing in mind they've got a Women's World Cup there next year. Getting through to the knockout stage of the Men's World Cup will be a terrific shot in the arm for that tournament too. Yeah, definitely. And it's for Australia, if you look at this group before this game, like you said, Sam, you would have predicted them to finish fourth. They've been pragmatic in their style let's not forget they took the lead against France. They put France under a little bit of pressure in that first game. Um, they got that much needed win in the last, get, last run out. So they, they are, they're a team that qualify for the World Cup on a regular basis, don't necessarily always make it out of their group. Like I said, last time they did it was in 2006. And if they can, and they can increase exposure because it's similar to America and Canada where these sports aren't, football's not the primary sport in those countries. When they come together for their national team, these players, there's a sense of unity there. There's a sense of the underdog mentality. So it's it's great to see them doing well in a group that have, have nations of football teams that have got greater history in the World Cups. And if they do qualify, it'll be a huge landmark for Australian football. Okay, one more story before we go. Uh, Andre Nana claims he's always behaved 
in a way to lead to success after he was thrown out of the World Cup squad in a row with his manager. The Inter Milan goalkeeper fell out with his boss Rigobert Song over playing style. He was axed from the playing squad in Monday's superb 3-3 draw against Serbia. He was replaced by Devis Apassi, who conceded three in a thrilling game. Afterwards, Song said the decision was a trigger for the country's performance. They tried peace talks. Samuel Eto tried to orchestrate them, but it didn't work. They've fallen out. He's been a controversial figure over the course of his career, Andre Anana. Um, what, what else do we know about this, Crook? You're, you're the man on the ground. Well, I think you covered it quite well, actually. I was told uh, about some quotes from Mbolo's mum. Obviously, Mbolo, the Swiss player who scored against Cameroon, having been born in Cameroon. Um, and uh, she was suggesting that you have to be represented by Samuel Eto'o if you want to get called up by Cameroon. So that's uh, that's a fairly sinister uh, situation, if that is the case. Obviously, we don't have any evidence of that, so it's just an allegation uh, at this stage. But it's not an ideal scenario, is it, for Cameroon sending home their, their first-choice goalkeeper? And as you say, the guy who's come in to replace him didn't exactly cover himself in glory in that incredible game against uh, Serbia. OK, right, tomorrow's podcast, me, Alex Crook and Darren Lewis with you when we wake up. We'll be reflecting on Argentina's uh, performances and looking ahead uh, to the final games in the Spain group. Um, Japan against Spain and Germany against Costa Rica. Are Germany going to go through? Are Spain going to uh, knock Japan out? Are Japan going to get jettisoned from the tournament having beaten Germany? Quite possibly. Uh, Quaker, thank you very much for getting up early this morning to give us your thoughts on the World Cup so far. What have you got planned for today? Um, just doing more coverage of African football at the World Cup for Talk Sports. So just being on my P's and Q's and covering all the biggest stories coming from the African continent. Okay, so you'll be focusing on the Anana story and a whole lot more. And Ghana are, are playing in the next couple of days as well. Friday night, they're trying to get themselves through uh, to the knockout stages. Uh, Crookie, what are you up to? Which party are you going to today? Because you went, you did go to the Pitong party. Again, I said I was going to go put my name on the guest list and didn't turn up. Yeah, I kept looking, hopefully, uh, towards the door. Loads of people flocked in. Radio 5 Live's team were there. Uh, Dion Dublin. Uh, Robert Green made an appearance. Ashley Williams came, uh, like me, straight from the England-Wales game, but no sign, uh, as usual, of the hermit, Sam Matterface. Uh, got a busy day, actually. Uh, interviewing Maurizio Pochettino you guys the this pool? morning. So, now I'm not going to get time for the pool today. Interviewing Maurizio Pochettino this morning. Uh, then I'll be on with Jim White and Simon Jordan for a couple of hours. And then off to Argentina against Poland. So the hard work never stops here in Qatar. Never stops for you, mate. It never stops. Um... I've got some good news for you, though, right? Next week, on a dark day, so there's no football, I have heard a rumour that there is going to be an appearance, a party, hosted by Calvin Harris. Really? Are you going to turn up for that one? And if that is the case, I will be turning up for that one. Uh, right, that's it from us. If you want to uh, download the pod, you can do pretty easy. Just go to the... Uh, TalkSport app. You can also flick between the two stations. Might be important today with all the games live on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. You can also get our podcast from all your usual podcast providers. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. 
The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.